Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. The second captain's world service. That's... Yeah. They have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. I'm the World Cup. I'm a little bit of an idealist. But having said that, I want to be like me. What are you doing down here? You're man. <laughs> I don't mean to alarm anybody regarding the size of the task facing the Republic of Ireland at the Aviva Stadium, but you know the whole Griezmann and Mbappe internal strife dynamic? I think that might have been overplayed a tad, maybe by us last week, if their on-field chemistry at the Stade de France on Friday night is anything to go by. The French put four goals past the Netherlands. They also left a few behind them, including one that could have been a contender for greatest counter-attacking goal ever scored if it had been finished. You're welcome to your Ireland versus France preview pod. This is coming out. We're talking late Sunday night. So we wanted to give you guys as much time as possible to digest this over the course of the the, the Monday or wherever you listen to it before our opening European qualifier against the World Cup finalists. Hey, Ken. Hey, Murph. Hey, on. How's it going? Hey, on. How you doing? Who are you saying was... Um was uh, was over playing the Griezmann and Mbappe stuff? Us, Ken, the Royal Us. <laughs> I mean, you. <laughs> <laughs> Me. Wow. Yeah, you were stirring. You were stirring the I think shit. I point- Come on, let's be honest. Stirring the shit. I think I. I think I pointed out that the story didn't make any sense. <laughs> You don't. You didn't listen to the end of my comments. No, nah, that's not what lodged in my brain. What I, what I, I got excited about this possible international retirement of Griezmann, and next thing I see him jumping on top yeah. of Mbappe's shoulders after Mbappe sets him up for a goal. Do you know the counter attack I'm talking about when they nearly scored an absolute worldie? It was in the second half. There was a corner yeah. headed away. Yeah, there was. It was Hernandez, I think, with the first little deft touch. Then Mbappe, both of them sort of chest slash stomach control, first time passes. That put Coleman into space, which he, he likes a bit of space. So he mm. tears up the pitch, then slows down to produce this delicate clip to the back post. The ball hangs there invitingly for Colomuani, who really should have scored. I mean, he certainly had a good chance to score, but makes a mess of his volley. If it had gone in, I mean, we, we may as well not turn up <laughs> at Lansdowne Road, but it didn't. So they only scored four goals, a couple of which were absolutely amazing. But listen, let's not lose our nerve so early in this podcast. Okay, this is a fixture that has caused us some difficulty down the years. God, you're 
has controlled the world basketball style. Yeah, I was thinking more of the 1978 World Cup qualifier, actually. Une faute de Giles. Il est faute de Giles. That one mightn't. That was a World Service one, so maybe our Monday only listeners are going, "What the fuck?" Listen, go become a member, and you can listen to the entire backstory <laughs> behind that one. But let's just say, il n'est pas fault de Giles, according to Giles himself, in a subsequent <laughs> interview with Vincent Brown in McGill Magazine the following year, when he was uh, it was a pass underplayed, but their French commentator didn't seem to think so. They're only human; these French lads, they make mistakes as well. Kylian Mbappe, supposedly one of the best players in the world, on a penalty kick gets denied. Mbappe gets denied, one of the best in the world. Ain't no way that should happen. Ain't no way. So listen, we're going to talk to Philippe Beauclair today, see if we can have any, any, if there are any crumbs of comfort ahead of this match. It goes without saying that Tuesday's pod will be all post-match reaction for members only. Secondcaptains.com, five euro a month, plus fat. We're going to attack anyway, Ken. We're not going to, the shackles will remain off. According to Stephen Kenny, yeah. I wouldn't mind like a couple of shackles. I mean, I, I don't. Why do we have to be such absolutists about the shackles? It's either all odd or all. We're very, off. very comfortable in possession, Murph. We're very, very comfortable in possession, as comfortable as any team in Europe now at possession. Why would we change now? Mm, said Kenny. Okay, but because we're playing France, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> are we the most as comfortable as any team in Europe at possession? I would say a Maybe, couple of teams come to mind. Oh. You know. Uh, France, yeah, yeah. Uh, Croatia. I think, I th- I think yeah. in comparison to playing how we play now in comparison to how our own team played a few years ago, we might have made one of the biggest jumps in European football in that regard in terms of change of yeah. style. But the way the way Kenny phrased that, it's so, <laughs> you know, it's it's yeah, listen, he does he's not shy in, in talking up his philosophy and all that kind of stuff. We know all that. But anyway, yeah, yeah. No. So what do you think about this all out attack we're gonna go with? Well, first of all, can I say it's it's pretty disappointing that Calmo Dowd is injured. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure Stephen Kenny's pretty good at about that too because after the game on Thursday he was raving about Callum O'Dowda mm. you know he was raving about his pace and he was talking about how uh, vital pace was going to be against France so now oh, O'Dowda groin strain not playing oh Jesus Christ so he was I mean I'm sure he was definitely going to be in the team and now he he won't be I guess it's going to be James McLean uh, James McLean uh, always available, and I'm sure he'll, as always, give his give his maximum, give his maximum to the cause uh, as we play against France. I mean, you're going on and on about this this uh, Holland France Holland game. Yeah. That's good for us. France winning four 0 and showing absolutely no after. The only way that could have the only way that could have been better for us is if France had won eight 0 I, I'm kind of with the Fairview correspondent here. Uh, on well, let's. I want to hear the rationale yeah. first. Well, number one, they've they've absolutely smashed Holland to pieces, and that's good. <laughs> Holland being one of our uh, rivals. Um, Ronald Koeman is the new manager of uh, the Netherlands. I should call them. Not everybody is impressed with Ronald Koeman. Uh, he is a manager who divides opinion a little bit, and I'd say the division in his opinion will be, or, or the the division of opinion about him is edging a bit more towards the <laughs> this is not the right man uh, side after losing 4-0. See, remember that Louis van Gaal had been the manager for the last while, had become immensely popular, had actually completely moved away from... Um, from uh, both his own and the Dutch national team's kind of historic um, style. You know what I mean? The, he had basically said, look, we actually don't have the players to play the way that 
we think we always should play. And anyway, I'm not even that convinced to bet it myself anymore. I, I'm going to try a few different things here. I started playing, you know, um, three five two, and you know, going much more defensive and counterattacking. It was pretty successful. Uh, they played one of the most exciting World Cup matches ever against Argentina. Okay, they didn't win, but like Argentina had better players. I think that you know people were and they got they took them to penalties. I think that you know people in Holland were overall pretty impressed with how the team went. Um, got knocked out in the quarterfinal. Kuman comes in. You know we've got Kuman again. Uh, you know because they 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 do have a sort of rotating system where it's like four or five guys keep getting the job over and over again. You know. Um, Koeman, remember, left the job to to uh, join Barcelona previously, and then obviously that didn't mm-hmm. go great. Although maybe nobody. So he's like, okay, we're going to go back to the the four three three. It's you know no no more of this Van Hal weird. Um, he's kind of gone totally off the rails. So he basically goes back to the four three three. Remember that the that that had been sort of Van Hal was doing it to to some extent to help out Virgil Van Dijk a little bit. I think um, they go back to the four three three. Van Dijk is pretty much the only first choice defender they've got because they had this virus uh, which took out uh, De Ligt and it took out who were the other players who got knocked out by the virus. I mean, they 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 lost a couple of top players. Frankie De Jong was obviously injured, oh, so they've got Gakpo. actually was Gakpo. Gakpo, yeah. yeah, Gakpo was was taken out. Um, so they actually had a massively weakened team with you know uncertain under a new manager who's now got going to have more problems to deal with uh, as a result of of this result. Um, they're playing against the France team, playing at home in front of their home fans for the first time since the World Cup. You know, saying goodbye to their old legends, welcoming in Mbappe as the hero. Griezmann's got, trying to show everyone that he's, you know, he's not actually feeling annoyed about being passed over. You know, Mbappe's showing everyone that he actually likes Griezmann. You know, blah, blah, blah. There's all of this. It was all absolutely set up for them to smash Holland, and they did that. And... Well, now it comes to hangover. They must feel absolutely delighted with themselves. Yeah. The self-satisfaction levels, even off for a French football scale. team, are off yeah. the charts right now. They really are. Because, I mean, you, can, you can't really say, you can't do much better than being Holland 4-0. Anyway, then they've got to go and play this other game, which is against some absolute, like, who is it? You know, consults, checks notes, you know. Like, I mean, Ireland, the attitude, now that, since we mentioned even how, I think the attitude of our European um, uh, friends to this country in football is best summed up by that scene in the Louis van Gaal documentary when he's sitting there with the two De Boer twins weirdly sitting in the back seat of his small car <laughs> and they reminisce about the time they lost to Northern Ireland in the 2001 mm-hmm. or the 2002 World Cup qualifiers and nobody remembers that it wasn't Northern Ireland they're just like yeah you know sometimes you have enough day and you, you can lose to Northern Ireland you know, that's football. <laughs> so that's the way they see it. So France are playing Ireland or Northern Ireland or somebody like this. They know they're not going to get any credit if they win. They just have to turn up, get the points, go home, forget this ever happened. That's their mindset. And that's the best possible mindset for a team that's playing against Ireland that we have to get a result against. I'm sorry, but have it just you is. been following Mbappe's press conference today and Deschamps for that matter? Ireland play an interesting system, says Mbappe, with three at the back. They have a reputation for playing a physical style, but they also play a lot of good football, so it's not going to be easy for us. Which is honestly a more detailed answer than 
almost any other captain that is given about the, the Republic of Ireland team. <laughs> Deschamps, Deschamps goes deep. He says there's loads of different players compared to the team that we played in 2016. There's a new generation now. Ferguson poses a threat. He's a good player. Mikey Johnston has, uh, well, he says Johnston has, has joined the team as well. It's a mix. Yeah. So in fairness, he at least watched the Latvia game. I mean, he watched the four minute clip of the last game. Yeah, it's true that I think Ireland have enthusiasm, determination, it's part of their football DNA, but that's not everything. They also have quality. They're capable of playing on the ground. They play a different system, this Ireland team. They like to play three at the back. Okay, so I'm just saying, we give out when they come, when people come over and go, well, they play a British-style long ball. At least these guys have done a modicum of research ahead of the game. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's true. They are, um, they have been That's literally the most respectful thing that's ever been said about us as a footballing nation. <laughs> I have to, I have to say that. that is, yeah. There's literally yeah. no one has spoken with that level of respect for us ever. <laughs> they're, they're diplomatic, but you know, they, they can pay lip service to this stuff. But do you think they really believe any of that stuff that they're yeah, saying for one second? Certainly, no. that's certainly not the case. Clearly I not. I suppose my, my friend at the embassy must have, the ambassador, of course, being my friend. Oh, of course. Must yeah. Have, yeah. Must have, divided must have, loyalties. Yeah, must have got involved there. You know, he's a yeah. diplomat to his shoelaces, that man. He really is. <laughs> See, yeah. the French, you know, I feel like France regards Ireland, you know, with a kind of a fondness, but not with respect. Mm. You know, they don't, they don't respect us. Uh, they never really have. Um, and and I don't I don't see that changing ahead of this now. Is that going to be enough to make the difference in this game? Pfft, probably not. I mean, you you mentioned on the the Stephen Kenny's um, comments in the press conference yesterday, which I thought were were really quite interesting. Like, uh, I mean, the question that he was asked was was essentially ended, yeah, or it was it was like you know France, oh, wow, they smashed all Jesus. Um, does do you maybe end up thinking maybe we should approach this game? We should take a more conservative approach. Mm-hmm. That was the word conservative. And Stephen Kenny reacts badly to that word, you know? Um, so his response was essentially to say, no, not a chance. Absolutely, definitely not. Um, you know, why would we do that now? Like, why would we change that? Why would we take a step back now? Was what he said. Um, That's interesting, you know, isn't it? It's like, it's it's not a, st- it's just like the, the reality of the situation. If you're playing as a really good team. I mean, we don't have to be like absolute slaves to the system here, do we? You know, well, I thought exactly the same thing, actually, Kieran. Um, that it's interesting that he equated yeah, the word conservative um, uh, to the temptation to set up a little more conservatively. That was exactly how the question was yeah. phrased, and and he sort of reacted to that as though no, as though that would be to betray everything we've we've done. You know what I mean? Like to, that he he used the phrase, "Why would you know? Why would we change now? Why would we take a step back now?" Yeah. So he equates the idea of setting up more conservatively against France with a step back. So I was thinking, is that is that what happens when you know we've talked to, for for the last couple of years about this kind of uh, culture war thing, and this is the problem with culture war. I mean, it makes an idiot of everybody. You know, yeah. everybody is kind of like just. Just everyone, everyone is is at war, so they just they're just digging into their uh, trenches and kind of because you know, like maybe losing the bigger picture a little bit sometimes. Um, so if you look at like who's the last team to beat France, I guess it's Argentina. They didn't actually beat them; they did beat them on penalties. Uh, they 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 uh, they won the World Cup, and France didn't. Did they change for that match? Oh, oh yes, they did. Oh, big time. But if you look all through all through the World Cup that Argentina played, they were changing in every game. 
Mm. You know what I mean? Like the 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 idea. Like I, I remember against uh, they against Saudi, they lost, and then they changed everything. They changed half the team, changed the system, got through the group. Okay, they 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 smashed Australia. That was never going to be a difficult game for them. But against Holland, they against sorry the Netherlands. That guy. I'm just thinking of that angry Dutch guy who writes <laughs> in every so often. Every time Holland I say Holland, guy. I now apologize and say the Netherlands. <laughs> against Holland, they they did against they, the they copied. <laughs> Against the Netherlands, they copied uh, they copied Van Gaal's system, so yeah. they played they played they played five three two. They weren't really defensive. They they were like, okay, this is the way to play these. Against Croatia, the total opposite. They they yeah, they looked I, at Croatians. They're like, these guys are old. They're slow. They're also exhausted because they've been playing all these hundred and twenty minute matches. Let's absolutely give these guys a chasing and went after them from the start. And if you remember, had the game won basically in the first half. I think it was two 0 at half time. Mm. And they, they they hammered them. But then in the final, they, they took a totally different approach against France. You know, they're like, okay, well, we could do what we do against Croatia. And imagine the temptation to do that. You know, like if you're if you're a manager and you've just won a World Cup semi-final 3-0, against a team, remember, who who had beat them 3-0 in the previous World Cup, kind of a grudge match. That Croatia had got to the final of the last World Cup, a serious opposition, and they've absolutely destroyed them 3-0. And, the, and it's probably their best performance of the tournament. You must be thinking, maybe we should do that again, you know, just absolutely go out there and do that in France. Not a second. Like, he changed it completely for France. He was like, okay, France, if we leave France space, they're going to kill us. They're going to destroy us. Like, we could play as well as we did against Croatia and lose that game 4-0. You know what I mean? That, mm. So, so the the approach against France was to was to counter attack, you know, to play a lot of the time behind the ball and then to counter attack quickly. And obviously, they they scored a brilliant counter attacking goal. But okay, so what I'm saying, I, I guess the conclusion here is that Lionel Scaloni, who is the FIFA Coach of the Year, is a very different type of coach from Stephen Kenny. Which is not to say that Stephen Kenny is is wrong, but I think that this ability to change is increasingly a thing that makes a difference. I mean, the other, the other big, you know, uh, success story with this approach is obviously Carlo Ancelotti. You know, Ancelotti, he, he remember the quote we were talking about recently, Ancelotti saying, well, we don't, we don't have a clear identity because I don't want one. Uh, we know how to do many different things, not just one thing. This, was, this is Ancelotti's philosophy. So I'm just wondering mm. if, you know, there is something to be sometimes uh, learned from that. I mean, if, you're, if you do play a team like this, what do you do? Like you have to, they have got some players who are so exceptional that if you don't take account of that, you know, it's, it, it doesn't really yeah. matter how sort of tenacious you are, how brave you are, you know, it doesn't really matter. Um, if you leave them space, they will destroy you. Yeah. I kind of think to be honest, once the game is on and we're under the cosh a bit, <sighs> We're not going to abandon every principle, but I, I think naturally the players will naturally ca do caution. Yeah. <laughs> caution will will of yes. course. Yeah, I mean, like, well, what exactly? But what are we talking about here? Like, what do, what do we mean? So, so say for instance, I think what's like because it's it's not totally clear what Stephen Kenny means. Well, like, what he means is he he wants he wants he he doesn't want to start hoofing the ball. He wants yeah. to try and play possession, get a decent amount of possession. Which in fairness, you might have against France. It's not like we're playing against the Germany team of seven or eight years ago who really want to keep the ball the whole time. Mm. France aren't as bothered about that now. They'll no. still, I'm sure, edge the possession stats. So it's a funny one against France. Out of all the top teams around, it's it's uh, possession is almost. I don't know. It's maybe a bit of a red herring or something like that, which a lot of people would say it is at the best of times. But th that, that does seem to be what he's getting at, that we will want to get the ball and keep the ball rather than just because we're playing France, basically 
have a load of men behind the ball, low block, and boot it long. Well, yeah, and I mean, and I, and I th- and with that, with that, I'm I'm totally with him because that that stuff that we were doing, you know, under under McCarthy and O'Neill and Trapattoni is is absolute Stone Age stuff. You know, like you're you're getting nowhere with that in today's game. Well, we'd be. Beat Germany and Italy and so on, but we, we won't rehash we beat it. Germany in a, we beat Germany show. in a game. <laughs> we beat Germany in a game. They they didn't have to win, and we beat Italy in a game. They they picked a well, B team because they were all, France, they were already France through. France don't have to you win know. tomorrow's game. Would it be yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's our best. That's our best hope here. That's our best hope. But I do think that is that like that is that is Stone Age stuff. You're not getting going to get anywhere. So if you take, I mean, take the example of Argentina, their brilliant goal on the counter. So playing on the counter doesn't mean that you play bad football. I mean, if you if the ball comes to you, you know, if you get if you get the chance, like they kind of they lacerated France with this like lightning uh, passing move. You know, it's it's one of the most economical passing moves I've ever seen like five players seven touches goal like it was it was phenomenal so you know there was obviously a really high level of quality in the I would say conservative approach that they took to the game so if we were in a position where we're just hacking the ball away then then it's over then we've lo- we've lost on all fronts like we are, we will lose the game but we've also lost our dignity <laughs> you know what i mean but i do <laughs> i do i do hope that he's that he is uh so i think that's that's really what he's got in mind but i also you know i think sometimes you play a team like this and you, you just got to recognize okay we're, we're gonna need to sit in a little bit here and then make the possession that well, we well, have you, you're kind of you're, you're saying in one way you don't want to just sit in and, and, and so sorry what, what part of it don't you agree with that? I don't agree. Like on with, I don't with. agree on with with kicking the ball uh, seventy yards away. To, uh, I, I don't agree with, with with just booting the ball away when it gets to you as though it was a hand grenade that's about to explode. So I a bit of a low block is okay. Playing defensively, more men behind the ball than usual is okay. But yeah. when you do have it, try to keep it. Is that effectively your game? Plan? When you do have it, try and attack quickly and score because they're going to be coming back. You know, this is. I'm sorry, but I'm. This is what I. Uh, this is what I think. Maybe I'm. Maybe maybe my faith is yeah. is wavering here somewhat, but at the same time, you know, I do feel like if we we'll see the approach that Ireland take, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting. As I said, the Odetta thing is unfortunate. Although you're always gonna have some injuries, this is just a thing that happens um, in football. But we are also getting to the point where um, you know Stephen Kenny, as he said, we've been working on the way of playing for for the last two years. I mean, they've been you know he's been there a bit longer than that. You know, he was also there. Uh, you know, it's two and a half years that he's been running the team so we are sort of getting to the point now of okay we're we're kind of arrived like what we're seeing what we're going to be seeing in the forthcoming games is this is it you know what i mean this is the this is the team that stephen kenny's been building what can it what can we do what can what can we do and and you know this this question of tactical flexibility is a, is a question that will arise i mean maybe when you're trying to build a team or when you're trying to work towards something or you're trying to get rid of a kind of a an older generation of players bringing a new one maybe then you've got to be quite you know this is the way it's got to be this is my vision this is you know but once you're sort of there once you once it's like well we've been working on this style of play we're comfortable in possession all these things that he was saying then it's like okay well now it's time to to uh, see how the how the results go, you know, is this team actually capable of of winning anything? And so that's why I think it would be it would be damaging. Like if if Ireland if Ireland kind of take a if Ireland did what Holland did on Friday, the Netherlands, I would consider that to be a disastrous outcome. I mean, not they, just they the, not just the scoreboard. You mean? 
No, I mean, I mean, the, the the scoreboard is bad. But if we if we were to do what they did, and to get done like that, to make it look as e- to make it as easy for France as they did, you know, to have balls uh, passing through the centre of a defence that's sort of up the field but not really putting pressure on the ball, or easy set piece goals going in against mm. us, you know, this type of stuff, you know, th- that's a really bad it's a really bad performance by them. And if and if the same thing was to happen in Ireland, you know, to Ireland against France, France who are clearly a better team, have better players in, in nearly every position. I mean, probably you know, virtually every position. Um, I would consider that to be a total disaster. We have to do better than that. More from Ambassador Mbappe, the diplomat on. Ferguson this time we saw some clips of him it's his first season as a striker an important striker for that team but we hope tomorrow it's not good for him we want to win we want to do a good job but he is a good player just to make that clear he's giving him the Mbappe seal of approval Ferguson definitely is going to play right I've seen it kind of mentioned once or twice oh Eda's back fit maybe there's no it's not a guarantee that Ferguson's going to start well I mean if Ferguson doesn't start I'm sorry but that's just the biggest joke <laughs> like if, if Ferguson doesn't should start should he get sacked should he get sacked if Ferguson doesn't start tomorrow night there's yeah. going to be there's, there, that's there, a question I'm asking there's you there's going to be a lot it's of pissed off people <laughs> there's going to be a lot of pissed off people if, if Evan Ferguson doesn't start Evan Ferguson clearly deserves to start Right, and if he doesn't, then I don't. I don't even know what we're all talking about here. That would just be an. That would just be a crazy. That would. That would be yes. an insane decision. I think Brian Kerr. Now, I didn't see it myself, but someone was saying to me, he was doing punditry on Virgin, and he and he said he wasn't sure if that, that Ferguson would start. You know, so I don't know if if what he's based that on or, or what his rationale was. But I I find I've seen, that, I've seen a couple of people write that as well. I've seen I've seen that those, that that point being made sort of yeah in an offhand. Manner. Well, I'm sorry, but if, if Ferguson like, doesn't start, like I, I really don't know what we're all do, what we're all doing here. How could you? How could he not start? <laughs> on what possible basis? On what possible basis could you know? Could he? Would he not start this game? You know, this is. I'm just. I'm, I'm just throwing that at you. Like he's not an experienced is, footballer, is, let is, alone international footballer. Yeah. Is that is that what people are is is that the argument that people are making on? Sorry, I I this has passed me by. I must say, I spent the day in the car today seeing Galway against Kerry. So have no, I haven't seen any argument being made in detail. I, that's what I'm oh, saying. Okay, I've seen right. more mentioned yeah, yeah. in passing that it's not a guarantee that he starts. I haven't seen anyone doing a real deep dive right, into okay, the, yeah, yeah. the reasons why Ferguson should not start. You know, and it's not even. <laughs> well, uh, look, uh, I, I can just, say Stephen yeah. Stephen Kenny did say that uh, Adam Eda was fit and he was training well and you know he'd been playing well for Norwich. Uh, so I mean, he hasn't scored. I, I believe this year. Um, mm. So the idea of him starting ahead of Ferguson, notwithstanding some some possibly really good performances for Norwich, just seems like. I mean, I just can't see what he's done to warrant that. I mean, I suppose he has got more international caps. I mean, so have all of the other players in the squad. You know what I mean? Troy Parrott's got a lot more caps and he scored quite a few goals for Ireland. You wouldn't expect him to start ahead of Ferguson, would you? I mean, like, it would be puzzling. Chidozi Ogbeni. Like, any of these guys might come into play alongside him. I mean, there's a, maybe there's a dilemma with Obafemi. I mean, I think Obafemi has been kind of the pick of the bunch uh, in terms of his all-round ability as a footballer and the kind of impact that he's made out of those players. But there, there is an argument also in this game that maybe you would use somebody like Ogbeni, who is more physical. You know what I mean? It, mm. may, maybe there is, a, there is an argument. So, so there, are these, there are these sorts of dilemmas there, yes. But in terms of whether Ferguson's going to start, I mean, like, of course he is. And, and if he doesn't, then... I, I I really don't understand anything about what's been taking place at, at our, in Ireland. <laughs> this this Ireland, this regime. I will start referring to it as the as the Kenny regime. The Kenny regime. Yeah. So okay, Bazuna goals, centre backs. I presume there's not going to be any disagreement here. O'Shea, Collins, and Egan. Well, it could be Coleman. Uh, but well, that's assuming 
Yeah, well, I was I was putting Coleman at. Oh, of course, yeah. Sorry, I was putting Coleman at right wing back. Um, mm. And possibly Doherty at left. I, I don't see I don't Coleman playing. I don't see sense. Coleman playing right wing back in this game. I don't think this is a game for Coleman to be playing right wing back. Maybe, maybe right centre back. But you know, considering the the players, I mean, considering where Mbappe plays, I just don't. So, which of those, those other centre backs doesn't start then? Of O'Shea, Collins. And uh, well, Heath. if if um, if Coleman is fit, if and Coleman centre back, Kenny decides to pick him. And to be honest, at this stage, I think he probably, I think he'll probably go with O'Shea, Egan, and Collins, as you say, because is. You know, is Coleman fit? Like if, you know, if he, if he was fully fit, he might have done more training this week. You know what I mean? So, but if he comes in, it will be Coleman, Egan and Collins, I imagine. And then Doherty right, McLean okay. left because, you know, we're kind of, um, and then in midfield, Josh Cullen, I mean, Josh Cullen was at the press conference. Uh, I'm assuming he will go straight back in. Uh, obviously, Malumbi and Knight are the other two players who've usually been playing, but then Smallbone has, uh, you know, Smallbone played really well the other night. What do you do with that? I mean, do you keep him as a substitute option? I think probably. Uh, and then obviously Ferguson plus one. Um, yeah. <laughs> or maybe not. I, I bet he got a goal the other night. I, I kind of think with attacking players, when one of them has literally just scored a goal. Uh, Go with the hot hand. Big, yeah, he, gave, he had some good, there was some comments from McBenna I saw after the game where he was basically, all the players being asked to talk about how great Ferguson was. And he did it really well because he talked about how great Ferguson was, but also almost how great they were as a partnership. Mm, you know, yeah. he's like, Evan's amazing. Like his, his ability to hold up play is second to none and, you know, for, for the game to gravitate around him in that way. And of course, yeah. that's great for me because then I know when I have to time my run, uh, you know, around the back of the defence and it's great. Yeah, like I really yeah, work yeah. well with him. <laughs> it's, it's, I, know, I, know, kinda, I, I was just thinking how, how it must be for these other guys, you know what I mean? Like, especially like... Troy Parrott, you know, because Parrott had had for a long time been like, oh, this is our guy, you know, he's going to be our, our new guy. And like quicker than you can say yesterday's news, like he's just completely, completely surpassed by this. You know, it's just, you know, what, what, what his feelings must be about that. I saw actually Denmark, um, I saw actually Denmark's uh, exciting new striker Rasmus Hoyland. They've got one of their own, mm-hmm. own, uh, and his name sounds a little bit like the exciting Norway striker. Scored a hat trick against mm-hmm. Finland. That's on, what I was thinking. Scored a hat trick against Finland on uh, Thursday. Scored another two against Kazakhstan on on Sunday. But unfortunately for Denmark, Kazakhstan then scored three goals. Oh. Um, I know it really, it really is quite something. Seventy third minute penalty, then eighty sixth and eighty ninth minute uh, goals for Kazakhstan, uh, giving them a three two. As well, a three two win against mm. Denmark. Sick transit, Gloria Mundi. Uh, <laughs> these guys have had a great run, uh, but as as of course um, none other than Eric Ten Hag says, eras all eras come to an end. So uh, a bad one there for Denmark. Uh, although I don't know if it's necessarily good news for Ireland to have teams being pushed into the playoff places, uh, the Nations League playoff places, uh, especially a team like Denmark who takes such great joy in paddling us whenever we, uh, whenever we play them. But uh, no, why did I bring this guy up? Well, I mean, obviously the Just Denmark to stick was, it to Denmark. I love it, Ken. Please don't no, root it, no, it by making another Also, also to stick it to Troy Parrott. Also, oh, okay. stick to Troy Parrott because Rasmus Hoyland, I noticed, uh, is born on the 4th of February 2003, one year after Troy the boy. Troy the no longer boy, now a man. Mm. And uh, all I'm saying is uh, the game moves fast. 
you know, blink and you might miss it. By the way, just one quick one before we get to Philippe. I remember I put a quote to you last week about Obamadele's qu- quote talking about Mbappe. I'd love to get into a foot race with him, see how quick I am. You were mm. saying, no, please, I do not want to hear any of the players talking like that. Well, you will enjoy Nathan Collins' answer to the same question. If you get into a foot race with Mbappe, uh, will you be comfortable? Nathan Collins says, you don't want that to happen. You want to be smarter than that. I'm not stubborn enough to say I'm quicker than him. I know he's going to be quicker than me. So I have to read the game better and not let a foot race happen. I just thought I had to put that quote to you, Ken. I know you would have enjoyed Nathan Collins definitely in the team. He's wise beyond his years. Wise wise words. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's true. We're going to hear now from Philippe. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss Hello everyone I'm just back from the embassy The ambassador's receptions are noted in society for their host's exquisite taste that captivates his guests Monsieur, with this Rocher you're really spoiling us Well I had some pate, that's pretty French Just canapes, man. You know what I mean? It's mm. Complete absence of Ferrero Rocher. Excellent. Night of culture. Good manners in football. How many Ferrero Rocher did you shove so down your gut? This is why you didn't get invited. As if the French ambassador would poison my palate with a Ferrero Rocher. Monsieur, with these Rocher, you're really spoiling us. I was eyeball to eyeball with the French government's representative here in Ireland. The last time, I'm pretty sure the last time he spoke to Philippe Auclair was <laughs> in the immediate aftermath of the World Cup final, which was about as dramatic a conversation as we've probably ever had. Great to talk to you again, Philippe. Hope all is well. Um, yes, everything is fine. Um, it, we've moved on since then, <laughs> fortunately. <laughs> uh, yeah, in, in many ways, but I've I got to say I'm nervous. Give me a reason to not be completely fearful of this French team because they look they look pretty handy. It looked like they were certainly not too knocked back by the World Cup heartbreak when they um, put the Netherlands mm, in the sword okay. there Friday night. Yeah, okay. So the, the one reason to feel a little bit less nervy, anxious or whatever is that the last time France won 4-0 against the Netherlands, they followed it with a 0-0 draw to Luxembourg. Ah, so just a weird statistical anomaly is the is the one reason is the one crumb of comfort we have to. Well, I don't see any others. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's that is fair enough. We uh, uh, well, you know, the Dutch were sick and all this kind of stuff and missing some players, but it was yeah, it was impressive true. in so many ways. Like the the 
I don't know if the Mbappe Griezmann thing was being overplayed in advance, the, how pissed off Griezmann was supposed to be about the captaincy, not getting the captaincy. Certainly when he, he scored mm. his goal, assisted by Mbappe, he made a great play of pointing at it, going over and the two of them celebrating together. So that, that looks like it's blown over if it ever was an issue in the first place. It never was an issue in the first place, and it's a typical thing. They had to find a story of some kind, whip it up, and it was not even a storm in the teacup. It was a gentle breeze uh, over a glass of plain water. Uh, there was really nothing to suggest that Antoine Griezmann was really angry. Um, it's, it's also such a misunderstanding of his personality. I can't quite believe it, to be honest. Um, and yes, they made a big show of it, but you say they made a big show, they just did what they would normally do. Um, there is no prime communication between those two. Um, it's a team that looks pretty pretty solid, I must say, in terms of relationship between the players, um, what they have shown. Uh, obviously, when you, you're 2-0 up after eight minutes, it simplifies things a little bit. Um, but there are, you know, there were plenty of other sides that... Um, they were in a really good place, which, to be honest, I'm, 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 I was a little bit surprised about. I, I thought that there would be a more of a World Cup hangover, um, uh, also the impact of quite a few important players um, t- retiring from the team. I mean, two in particular, Hugo Loris, uh, the captain, and and Rafael Varane, who honestly was. Uh, um, a guaranteed starter when he was fit uh, with Deschamps and actually would have been a guaranteed starter with any manager. And, uh, you know, they're there on the on the pitch of the Stade de France before kick-off, um, taking in the applause of the crowd, saying thank you to the retirees. And you're thinking, oh, okay, all right. Then there's the Benzema situation, which was not handled very well by anybody, by the way. Um, and you think, oh. Also, you remember, you know, in the World Cup, um, you you were wondering which team are you going to see? Which French team are you going to see after the World Cup? Are you going to see the one who played the first half against Argentina or the one who played the second half? <laughs> and the answer to that is that we saw the one that played the second half. I think that's pretty clear. It's it's a very young team. It's very enthusiastic. Obviously, Deschamps, he almost looks rejuvenated to me. Um when I listen to him in these press conferences, when I see pictures of him, he looks a bit younger than he was like three years ago. Um, he enjoys being with younger players. He's, he enjoys the fact that he's identified a couple of, I mean, not more than a couple, quite a few players who are going to be here for a long time. Um, I mean, I think I can understand why he would be looking like the cat who's got all the cream when you see the performance of Kolomwani, for example. Uh, who absolutely wowed us at the World Cup every time he came on and made such an impact. And he was, again, excellent, even if he didn't score. Um, you have bring Magmenion in. What does he do? As his first proper game, I was going to say, it was not his first cap, but his first proper game as a France goalkeeper, he stops a penalty, uh, gets the clean sheet. You're wondering which state Kylian Mbappe is going to be in and he gives an assist for Griezmann's goal, which is absolutely, I mean, that goal is just wonderful. And then he leaves everybody, I mean, leaves Danny Blind on his on his arse. I think there's no other way of describing it. I think it's a technical term mm-hmm. uh, for, for the fourth goal. And he looks so at ease. He looks so composed. He looks so happy. And you carry on like that. And you think, yeah, it, it looks great. Even Cavaminga is playing in his right position. And it's like, wow. <laughs> um, 
so you're thinking you know things are things are looking good things are looking up um after what had been a strange uh, run up to the world cup which was a very very uh, tense a world cup which was better than anything we'd expected but which was also a bit of a strange one um in terms of when you think of some of the games the game against england for example and France were a bit lucky at times they were brilliant but they were also a bit lucky and then the retirements and the Benzema affair and all the uh, I mean all the stuff affecting the French FA at the same time and you're thinking oh my goodness yeah. well let's ask you let's let's talk a little bit about that because that, that is pretty interesting I mean there's been huge turmoil at the French Federation since the World Cup yeah and I mean essentially the story was that Noah Legrette who, who, who was the president he's no longer the president um, had said, correct me if I've got these details wrong, but uh, he was the guy who, who decided to give Deschamps a new four-year contract. Yep. When Zinedine Zidane really wanted that job, mm-hmm. and, well, he got passed over, and Legret then said something kind of offhand, like, well, you know, if Zidane called, I wouldn't even pick up the phone. Yeah, that's I mean, correct, this this yeah. is a quote that was reported. And then Mbappe Mbappe tweeted, this is this is highly disrespectful and inappropriate, and um before you know, Legrat's out the door. I mean, is that the the power of Kylian Mbappe? Were there a lot of people angry that Zinedine Zidane didn't get the job? And, and, and I mean, how did you feel uh, before this, uh, before before the the unraveling of of Legrat's presidency, when he handed Deschamps a four year contract? I mean, how long does this guy want to be the coach of the French team? I probably wants to establish a new world record. I mean, he arrived after Euro twenty twelve, so that's already. You know, 20 years, oh, 20 years, 10 years. Hmm. I'm already projecting myself in the future here because it feels like Deschamps will always be French <laughs> manager. Uh, and uh, so that's 10 years and, and counting. Um, the way it's going, I think France should qualify for uh, the final phase of Euro 24. Then there's going to be the 2026 uh, World Cup, and it will still be there. And will carry on forever, uh, but that's not the reason why Legret was um, uh, asked to leave. Um, I mean, certainly the words he used. He was talking to my colleagues at RMC, were not the wisest, but they were indicative of the kind of uh, of man that he is. Um, but the main reason why he went is because there's been an internal report, which has been commissioned by the Ministry of Sport in France about what was going on within the French FA, being on the financial side, but also very importantly in terms of the behavior of some of the most important people in the hierarchy, particularly in terms of uh, um, what I would call sexual discrimination and sexual abuse. And Noël Legrette certainly um, didn't come out of this report uh, in glowing terms. And if you want to look at, I I know that, you know, you're broadcasting from, from Ireland, so I've got to be careful if I were broadcasting from Norway, where the libel laws are far more sympathetic to us, I I would certainly let rip, but I won't. Mm. (laughs) And I will just uh, let you uh, advise anybody who is listening, uh, just have a, you know, a quick look at Noël Legret. And, you know, Romain Molina is the name of the um, French journalist who's been on his case. Uh, Just have a look uh, around and you'll see what exactly is being talked about. And you will understand that what he said about Zinedine Zidane was it might have been the, the straw that broke the camel's back 
but um, believe me, the camel's back was already groaning uh, under the weight of uh, the problems with uh, associated with Neil Legrette. His departure from the French FA is, is wonderful news for French football. Um, I think we all agreed on that, except Noel Legrette. Uh, but it won't surprise you that, obviously, despite the fact he's uh, 81 years old, and of course he's probably a vivacious uh, 81-year-old, uh, he will rebound as uh, the head of the FIFA office in Paris. Yeah, I saw that FIFA had uh, had retained his services. Yeah. Um, but uh, but but just on the subject of, of Deschamps, not to, not to necessarily harp on this team, but you know it is such a long time to be in charge of a team. Um, I mean the 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 example that that comes to mind to compare it to is is I guess Joachim Love at uh, mm -hmm. Germany, who who also won the World Cup and you know had had a, had a few good uh, campaigns and stayed on. I mean. You know, this is his eleventh uh, year, I guess. Mm -hmm. They So he is where Joachim Löw was in in 2017 as Germany manager, and by that time things had really started to go pear shaped for him. I mean, it seems as though Deschamps, and I know that you've criticised him before. I have, yes, on here, and you know his his style of play sometimes seems a bit. Is this really all we can do with these players? But he, there doesn't seem to be any. Um, kind of disillusionment or dissatisfaction or or just boredom with him. I mean, he seems to be running this team. Uh, I mean, the team seems to be. Oh, it's too much to say. This team runs itself, but um, there isn't any sign of that sort of decay or stagnation no. that was evident already in the German team when when Love had got to this stage. Yeah, but I I think that in I mean Love, I think you could you could say that um, um, when things starting to go. To get a bit more complicated, it was also linked to some choices uh, that he made at the time when he basically uh, kicked out of the team some very important elements. Uh, you will remember that. And Muller and uh, yeah. Hummels, and uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Muller in particular. Um, and which is whereas in, De in Deschamps' case, these guys have removed themselves, Ran and, and Lloris yeah. said that's all that's. Yeah. And there's a good atmosphere within the camp. It's pretty obvious. I mean, I thought one of the most telling things about uh, the game against the, the, the Dutch was uh, at the final whistle, um, they all congregated to congratulate Mike Mignon, uh, who'd stopped that pen. Um, dreadful pen by Memphis, but, but it was a penalty and he stopped it. So it was a clean sheet. And they had not really celebrated that whilst the game was going on because they were really concentrating on the job, which is very good. But as soon as the final whistle went, they all congregated to uh, around their keeper, which shows how popular he is, but which also shows something about the attitude of those young players. And when you look at them, when you talk to them, uh, what is almost frightening is the maturity of these players. When you talk to, obviously, Kylian Mbappé, you know, could be prime minister tomorrow. Um, and he might might be, given the way things are going back at home. I was going to say, um, there's a bit of work, there'd, there'd be a job of work to be done if he was to take that role at the moment, but yeah. Well, it's not quite people think it is, but there you go. Um, uh, but you, you listen to Karaminga, for example. I mean, it's just it's remarkable how well-balanced, smart those guys are. And they're bloody good with the football at their feet as well. So he's, he's very happy because he can see that there is an awful lot of material to work with here. 
And that's despite the fact you know, that two of the great architects of the 2018 World Cup win are, are not available at the moment, i.e. Paul Pogba and Golo Kante. And that you've lost Varane, who was probably your number one defender. You've lost him, but that's you're finding that, oh, Upamecano and Konate together, that actually looks quite good. Um, there are a couple of positions perhaps we could do with a bit more depth, um, certainly right back. Um, but apart from that, he he looks so relaxed. He looks rejuvenated, and I, I think that in a weird way, uh, the World Cup has helped because the preparation to the World Cup had been very difficult. There was one point where 13 senior players were injured um, just before the tournament. So France went there really wondering what on earth is going to happen. And there were some, and I was amongst those thinking... We've got to be careful even in the group phase because this really has, it makes me think of what happened in 2002 in Korea and Japan. Uh, and it could go wrong and it didn't. Um, there were 15 really rocky minutes against Australia and then that was it. The, the ship was launched and it was a great, it was a great adventure. And, and Deschamps really loved it. He absolutely loved it. And he showed during that tournament as well things that he hadn't shown before which it was perhaps, I'm not talking about him the way I was talking about him before and the way many people were talking about him before. I think he was more daring, more imaginative in the way he set the team, the team up. I, I thought that the deployment of Antoine Griezmann as a kind of uh, 6, come 8, come 10, come 9 was an absolute masterstroke and showed what a great player Antoine Griezmann is, if we, anybody had any doubt about it. Is that how, um, is that he, how they, they, they continued the other night? Is that the kind of role Griezmann's going to play yeah. against us? Yeah, 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 yeah because you, you've now got uh, Kingsley Coman, who, by the way, I'm afraid to tell you, will be fit for the game against Ireland, um, on the right, and uh, Kylian Mbappé on the left, and Colomwani in the middle, uh, who's been excellent. And then you've got Griezmann in this kind of interesting role with, because he's got Tremeni and, and Rabio as a kind of double pivot. But Rabio obviously is, is somebody who also likes to take part in the attacking uh, as an attacker, which means Griezmann sometimes finds himself lower down. And it's a position that he, he feels really, really happy with. And I think the best way to describe his, his new role is to look at the first goal that France scored against the Netherlands in the second minute, where he's the one actually getting the ball back in, in midfield and then busting a gut to join the attack. And there's some very, very clever interplay. And the movement was of, of those three and those four actually up front was fantastic in the first half. Fantastic. And, and creates the space and he's there and he's rushing in and he slots that beautiful left foot shot uh, in the corner of the net and um, which was I, I thought it was goal of I mean, absolutely astounding quality uh, as a collective goal and obviously when you've got that amount of talent at your disposal you know you I think you uh, you don't want to leave this behind you and he's in a great position because it suits his way of thinking he doesn't really want to go back to a club he's paid very well um, he's not paid, of course. He's probably paid of, well, so he's paid very well. He's paid very well, but he's still paid like a fourth or a fifth of what he would earn as a club manager. Mm. You know, when you see what Antonio Conte is being paid, you know, he's not paid that uh, a long, long, long way from that. But he has got 
very pleasant job indeed. <laughs> you mentioned, you mentioned the centre halves, though, Philippe. And, you know, let's be mm. honest, they got a bit of an armchair ride there on Friday night. Stephen Kenny couldn't help but note in one of his one of his quotes over the last few days that Evan Ferguson has twice played against uh, Canate against Liverpool and he's beaten them twice said Kenny who I think attended one of those <laughs> games how uh, how does Deschamps operate in this way does he is there, is there much study done on opposition like is there any real fear or any sense of a game plan having to accommodate this you know this young superstar for the Irish team or did they just, is it just another bunch of 11 players who they're going to swat aside uh, no, no. Um, I, I, I don't think he's quite perhaps as thorough in his preparation on studying the opposition as some other coaches are, right. but he's got a team together. I mean, I don't think they're, they're anywhere as thorough as England is, for example, who've got a specialist team who devote hours and hours and hours and days and weeks to studying the opposition. Uh, I think it it might come as well with the fact that, you know, France has played... Uh, European final, uh, World Cup final, and won another World Cup final. So um, over, you know, six years. So obviously you must be doing something right here. And uh, But I don't think they will have, I don't think Deschamps will have spent an awful, awful lot of time looking uh. at the Republic and um, mm. talking to my French friends. And I, I have a feeling that, you know, Ireland has been under the radar for quite a while. And most people in France would not necessarily be aware of the way that Kenny has been trying to make the game, you know, the way they play evolve. Um, people are, are, are aware of Evan Ferguson, but because of what's been happening in the Premier League, because everybody watches the Premier League in France, like everywhere else. But I don't think that there is necessarily a, a particular fear or they will have prepared for it. And and of course, the, the discourse are after the win against the Netherlands uh, was immediately about, oh, that's all about Ireland. What's the point of winning 4-0 against Netherlands if we don't do what we should be doing against the, against Ireland in Dublin? And so at least the discourse was, you know, bang, you know, on the bottom. Um, I, I, I wouldn't imagine that they've spent as much time studying the Republic as they have spent, you know, studying the Netherlands, for example, um, I don't think I'm breaching state secret by saying that. But they will have done some work, obviously. Yeah. They will have done more work, by the way, than my French colleagues in the media uh, who haven't done any. <laughs> so, <laughs> what, what, what do you mean by that? Is that is it just basically they, they assume well, they're on ball team and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah the usual, yeah. Yeah, the usual. Uh, with a couple of perhaps the more refined um, analysts or commentators uh, saying that there has been there had been a movement uh, away from the uh, traditional uh, Irish game, whatever. Um, but there hasn't been. I, I I haven't been struck by the depth of analysis of the uh, Irish style uh, <laughs> in 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 the French media. I have to say. Well, we, I mean, Stephen Kenny was saying today, oh, you know, why would we change? People, the questions were along the lines of, obviously, we're playing France. They just slaughtered the Netherlands. Uh, this could get pretty ugly. Should we go more defensive? And he was like, no, why would we, why would we do that? You know, we've been working on this new style. You know, this is the time to, to be brave, you know. So he's not going to change his approach. Um, I, I wonder, though, uh, do you think that's wise? I mean, you know, if you look at, France's, uh, you know, France's performances. Uh, I mean, teams do, I think, generally adapt their style a little bit to play against France. Argentina certainly did mm -hmm. in the in the World Cup final. You know, if they, they're 
they're they're they're they're willing to accept. Okay, this they've got certain players which mean we have to change. Is there a, an approach that France struggle against a little bit more? I mean, have they? you know struggle to score against teams who defend with nine men back uh, is, is there any such is there any such pattern or, or is it a case of, I mean Stephen Kenny's argument is well if we if we did that that's just a slow death yeah so he's saying a, a quick yeah I mean would you would you agree is, that, I, I would, I would agree does, to, is there anything that can be done I, I would say that obviously um, exposing yourself to counter attacks against a team that has got Kylian Mbappe and Kingsley coming on the wings is a bit foolish um, mm. But um, and and France is very good at that exploiting transitions, um, as we saw actually in uh, uh, the last goal. Um, and because I mean, again, you can see what Kylian Mbappe can do to to anyone. Um, but it's not a one man team. Uh, that's the other thing. And they're very patient, and it, which is I think poses a problem because, for example, France. You know, the, it's, it's supposedly the modern game is all about pressing and winning possession uh, high up in the opposition's uh, half, putting them under pressure. France doesn't do that. They will do that sporadically. There were mo- there probably will be moments where they, they will do it, but they haven't really got the kind of players. When you've got Kylian Mbappe, he's not that kind of player anyway. So if you press, you've got to press as a team. So France doesn't really press very high up. Um also because they know um, that should they press and should the opposition go past the press, uh, they might be, you know, um, find themselves a little bit short in terms of numbers. Uh, because again, the people they have got up front are not known or were not known, apart from Griezmann, who is, you know, Mr. I don't know, he covers every blade of grass, as they say. Um, they you know, we're not necessarily the best at, at doing that. So, so Deschamps is quite happy to sit back, quite happy. So which makes it more complicated in some ways, because how do you break them? Well, uh, you could argue that there's maybe a little weakness on the left flank, because mm-hmm. Jules Koundé, whatever his qualities are, is not a natural born um, right back. So um, attack that, I mean... When I say use the left flank for you, obviously, which is attacking the right flank for the French, excuse me, uh, Kunde is not an, a natural in that position. So you could think, yeah, you could do that. Um, but apart from that, they're pretty rock solid everywhere on the pitch. I'm sorry. I mean, I, it's like, I, I, <laughs> I'm sorry. There's no need to apologize. So if it's, it's absolutely fine. It's fine. And, you and, know, you know, and they've got solutions from the bench and they've got young players who can, who can come in and, um, who will be, you know, maybe they're not quite as deep in terms of the, um, uh, players they have at disposal that they were in 2018, because there's, there are a few players who are injured, uh, unavailable or who have retired actually. Obviously, Karim Benzema is no longer there, which also changes things somewhat. Um, but seems to have happened, by the way, without creating too much turmoil in the French camp, which some people thought might be the case. Um, uh, hardly going to be the case. I mean, he, you know, it's he's getting towards the end. Anyway, I have one more thing to ask you, though, mm, Philippe. I was on. reading, uh, I was uh, perusing uh, the French uh, press in a vain search for comments about Ireland. Um, uh, I did find. You found something. <laughs> I did find in Le Mans uh, uh, the the uh, report by Odilas Jonias states 
that when uh, Upamecano scored against Holland, it was a shot greeted by uh, noisy calls of Mbappe by the home crowd, followed by what sounded like a free interpretation of Lakes of Connemara by Michel Sardou, the best musical tradition of the stand. And I thought, what? Okay, what? Yeah. What, what is this? Uh, this song, Lakes of Connemara, I discovered, is, seems to be quite famous in France. It's, I've never heard it before. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, well, in France, everybody would know it. I, I tried to forget it myself, but uh, <laughs> but I know it, unfortunately. No, it's very, very so popular. This is, it's very popular, This yeah. is an Irish-inspired song for, for Kylian Mbappe from the French supporters? Yeah, well, yes, well, I, I, I'm not... <laughs> God almighty, the places you take me to. Um, it has to do with a kind of really romantic view of Ireland that uh, that people have in France, which is not necessarily a bad thing. And uh, and Le Connemara is uh, you know is mythical for us. Oh, say it again. It, it sounds it sounds better when you say it, Philippe. Uh, d- describe the place name Le again. Connemara. Le Connemara. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> Absolutely beautiful. Well, listen, um, we'll wrap things up by asking you a completely futile question. Are you giving us any chance of repeating what Luxembourg did to France whenever that was after the last 4-0 win against the Netherlands? Uh, it was it any 2017. 2017. It can always happen. I remember a game that France won against Andorra thanks to a penalty by Frank Leboeuf in the 90th minute or something like that. And Andorra at that time was certainly no much, not better. They were actually far worse than Ireland is now. So it's always possible. Uh, I would say, but it's... Um, <laughs> It's 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 unlikely. Um, it's unlikely. Uh, the, the transition that France was going through is going through, and which I thought perhaps would give a, a, a chance, a real chance to uh, to Ireland. This transition seems to have been extremely swift and extremely uh, <laughs> unproblematic. Uh, this being said, uh, it's possible to catch them on a bad day. It's possible that not all the players will be quite aware of what is expecting them. It's a very young team. Uh, many players there are players who do not have an awful lot of caps Um, so it can be that um, they get surprised and they have a problem you know I mean yeah I mean it can can happen it happened against Luxembourg why shouldn't it happen to against the Republic of Ireland and and it was in 2017 that was the team which was the French team was between a final of the Euro and winning the World Cup so there you go there we go. All right, we'll leave it on that note, Philippe. Thank you so much for trying to drum up some optimism on uh, on our behalf. Great to talk to you. Thanks a million. Enjoy the game. Thank you very much. I don't know if I'm feeling any better after that chat. To be honest, Philippe, they're all very diplomatic. The French. Philippe just seems. laughing. You have no chance. <laughs> and then trying to muster up some sort of an argument at the end because he's sorry. Just there's not much I can really say no. to you know, to yeah. console yeah, you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ken, we've beaten around the bush long enough. What's your prediction? Um, my prediction is Ireland won, France too. Okay, I'd take that. Would you take that? Oh, you, would, you, you're I, telling me you'd bite, you'd bite my hand off no, if I, I offered you two one, a two no, one defeat right now. No, I wouldn't bite your hand off. I'd still, you know, go ahead and pl- we'll play the game. Sure, we're not declaring on two one. I'm just saying that if it works out that it's two one, I probably, I'd probably be happy enough with that. I'm, I'm gonna say France two, Ireland nil. If we got a goal against the French, that'd be, that'd be swell. But we always score. It depends when it comes. If it comes as a late consolation, not so much. But if it comes as a a goal early in the second half, mm. that, uh, to go one nil up, 
That's where you know you're, yeah, you're, that, yeah, we, you, no, because then you we we got a bit of bang for our book there. Yeah, we got we got a bit of bang for our book there. Let's get get ourselves a goal. Oh, and what's your prediction? My prediction is, I feel like I really want us to get a goal. Is it boring for me to say also two one France? <laughs> no, not at all. I can't I can't predict we're going to get a draw out of it, and I don't want to predict that we're going to lose by two or three, which is very or more, mm. yeah, which is plausible. So. We're, you know, I'm, under I'll, three, I'll, we're going to lose by well. under three. On you could always, you could under always three. say three one out. Then we'd have a goal, but also I, I was about to do that, and respect. then I just thought, no, nah, the Patriots are like kicked a bit in. Of a I'm an Irishman, Ken. <laughs> Did you see? And certainly that, that uh, Chelsea, Chelsea have said that they're disappointed with Thomas Tuchel for um, making public the fact that he wants to poach Anthony Barry from the Chelsea. Uh, coaching stuff oh wow. wow that's not the sort yeah. of thing Anthony Barry oh. would do though so uh, uh, I don't no. think he would, would you're barking up the wrong tree just, there Tommy Tucker he wouldn't walk out on on G-Pot no. uh, at this point at this no. point of the season Champions League still still in play just because loyalty, loyalty isn't a dirty word in that house incidentally I, I, he, I, he, I don't know if he's did, did Roberto Martinez take Anthony Barry to Portugal, where he's training. He's, you know, he's training Portugal now. He's still picking Ronaldo, by the way. Uh, Martinez, yeah. like Ronaldo, scored um, two goals. Twice against I mean, he, Liechtenstein, was it? Was it Luxembourg. Oh, is it one hundred ninety-seventh international appearance or something like that? I'm just sort of like, why? Why is this still happening? But okay. Uh, well, Martinez, Martinez. It was funny. Martinez had a quote afterwards along the lines of, oh, age is just a number. You're one of these things. And it's like, yeah, this was your problem with Belgium at the World Cup. Yeah. Age is the, just the a number. The players themselves didn't think they should. Yeah. The, the older players were like, how are we still in you the team? You were playing Enzo Schifo yeah. at the World Cup, <laughs> Roberto. That's, li- that's literally what happened. How, how are we all still here? Like Pel- <laughs> Belgium, like De Bruyne and Hazard just kind of looking around going, this is ridiculous. We should have been replaced years ago. We're old men. What, what are you thinking? And here he is with uh, anyway Ronaldo keeps banging the man Luxembourg quailed beneath his lash so that was good enjoy the game everybody let's hope this is the night Evan Ferguson's international reputation goes Supersonic thanks Ken thanks Murph thank you and thank you Ken thanks so much for listening enjoy the game don't forget to sign up now to hear our post-match reaction on the world service on Tuesday you won't hear any ads either if you become a member the second campus podcast is part of the ACAS Creator Network. Anlauf und Jan Sommer steht da, bereit, den Ball zu krallen. Mbappé gegen Sommer. Mbappé. Sommer hält! Sommer hält! Sommer hält! Die Schweiz! Wow! Viertelfinale! Ja, ja, oder weggecheckt? Was ist los? Ja, ja! Er zählt! Der Teffer zählt! Die Schweiz steht im Viertelfinale! Im Viertelfinale der That's the second time it's gone off. Never got home, they never got home, they never got home, those, those, those boys. The second captain's world service. It is not war and death and famine, it's not that at all. It's the opposite of that, it's the persuasion of the world outside of that. That's why sports is important. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.